This is an ABC podcast. I got it wrong, but does it matter? Does it matter? The bang on story. Yeah. <laughs> bang. 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 It's good. That's how your head works. <laughs> got to, got to get the, got to complete the task. My life is jingles. Yeah, I understand the world through jingles. Mm. It's true though. I really do. Uh, jingles are very powerful. But jingles don't really exist so much anymore. You know, like back in many, many what about decades did somebody ago. Somebody say, "Men, you log." That's that a jingle. is a really good one. <laughs> and that, and I think it showed how much we've missed it. You know that like cool my partner track? said the other day that could be Snoop's greatest work and I was like, leave, just walk out. <laughs> I just that hope, is not his greatest isn't, work. Isn't Snoop coming out on a tour? Yeah. If he doesn't play Menu Log. He's got to play it. <laughs> Although it kind of breaks my heart, but yeah, it does have to play it. I'm torn between those two worlds. I think it's a, that was a genius ad campaign and I give it massive props. It was extraordinary. I do want to give a big shout out to the many people who have emailed and told me about their, and I say me because I'm the one who reads the bang box, uh, told (laughs) us about the kids in the car who sing along to bang on, usually quite young um, toddlers who love a bit of bang on, just hoping they can't understand the rest of what we're saying. But yes, thank you for listening in the car. Yes, Our jingle clearly works with you. How are you going? I am good. I think I'm just... um, Settling in now to the new lifestyle. Mm. I, I think I was pretty tired. Like I had a few people over t- for drinks on, and we had lunch at the local pub on Saturday, and I was exhausted. Like Sunday, I did what you did first day out of lockdown, and just like stayed in bed <laughs> and watched a telly series that I'm going to bang on about, okay. which I loved. Um, and yeah, so I just feel like now I'm just kind of getting my head around what the hell I've done. Yeah, and it's great. Settling in. I think, yeah. Living. In. You're living. living. Living, living. Yeah. Yeah. Took the dog for a walk. She had a swim in the river. Is she and loving it? She's loving it. It's I can a- just imagine her beautiful floppy ears flowing in the breeze. <laughs> she is a supermodel dog. As our friend Nina has said, she's a supermodel dog and I can just imagine her striding through the fields, diving into the lake. Yeah, if only. Normally she's, <laughs> normally she's just got her head, her nose on the ground and that's it because she's a hound. She is a hound. Yeah. How are, How are you? How are you? I'm good. Um, I just had spent the morning with the wood chippers, chipping oh. the tree that fell down. The big one out the side. Yeah. Oh, it's a bit heartbreaking, isn't it? I walked in, it does look a little bare. but It's a little bare. You we will, will rebuild. rebuild. I did have dark thoughts about if I had any bodies I needed to get rid of because those <laughs> chippers are powerful. Like it's insane seeing oh, a yeah. tree going into that. And I know, you know, if you've ever watched that or if you've ever mm. bought wood chips, you understand it. But watching it happen, mm. it's what? a very powerful blade. And what a horrible way to go. Oh, God. <laughs> mm. Um, but yes, I have found a horticulturalist. Thank you, Bang Fan, um, who Vivi slid into my DMs. Vivi, and yeah, I and have... I apologise, Vivi, I haven't followed up on that. <laughs> um, but you've got you've been having some wonderful chats about horticulture, Australian natives, trees, all of it. Uh, the Bang Fan, as Vivi said, getting shit done. I love it. So so good. Love I've it. also been enjoying just doing normal things, getting back into normal life post lockdown, and. I went to the movies a couple of times in the last week, including on Tuesday night saw the premiere of the new 007. Oh, the final, the Daniel Craig final appearance. Yeah, No Time to Die, which has been like meant to be coming out for two years. So even the fact that it's on screens is a miracle. 
And is it everything you want it to be for a Bond film and the perfect movie to go and see after you've been locked down for nearly two years? Hells yes, but go to the <laughs> toilet before you walk in because it goes for two and a half Why? freaking hours. It's a Bond film. It's so long. Why do they do it to us? I mean, originally James Bond was, I mean, think about Octopussy and think about, you know, all of those movies. They were a joke. These days it's like, oh, serious meditation on masculinity and, and relationships and two and a half fucking hours for a Bond film. <laughs> No, give me what I want. There is a lot of action in this and Too some much. of the most insane stunts I've ever seen. Like oh, really? I just kept on looking at it and just my little accountant, you know, those um, old school accountant calculators where oh. they have the little roll of paper. It was oh, just yeah. going <laughs> thinking about how much money everything cost because they seriously paid for the best of everything in oh, wow. this. And the the other thing that I loved about it was it was total armchair travel because, you yeah. know, the, the places it's set in and, um, you know, the, the fashion and the the intrigue, all of it. It's just oh. it's so expensive looking. The new Bond, who may or may not be a woman, is in the film. Is that right? Well, yeah. I don't want to give too much away, but there it could be because it hasn't been revealed yet, has it? No. I did a bit of Googling afterwards. I was like, have I missed something? Mm. And I did see the existence of Phoebe Waller-Bridge in the writing, which I thought was cool too. Wow, that's yeah. great. Yeah, there was points where I was like, oh, I feel like that was a Phoebe line. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Yeah. Uh, but it was fantastic. I'm, I'm not going to say too much about it because I don't want to, you know, give any spoilers. And I will say this, like I'm not a mad Bond aficionado. Mm. I've I've watched them hodgepodge. I don't really – there was points in this where I was like, who are the bad – I don't know who well, – I don't know what the lineage is here, but yeah. you can go in completely not knowing anything and you'll mm. still have a great time like yeah. I did. Well, it's the same movie. over and over again it's pretty much the same movie like it doesn't change evil guy with facial scarring Mm. few hot women a few hot women man with a a dark past trying to be a better man but somehow remaining still within those realms of of kind of spy world and yeah, martinis, martinis, of course, shaken not, and stirred. lots of product placement, heaps of product. Apparently, placement. Apparently, Nokia still exists as a mobile phone brand. Do they? Yes. <laughs> Can you get like a Nokia thirty two ten? No. Or was it thirty one ten? Was it thirty two ten? When you when you pulled out of the narrative with product placement, it's a bit like, oh, I can't believe Nokia is still there. I guess they were the the leaders. Yep, and James Bond uses a Nokia, so there Does is he my really? spoiler. <laughs> I don't believe it. Well, maybe they're untraceable because remember we were sold the lie that, you know, if you use an iPhone that people can't hack it because it's an iPhone. Maybe Nokia's offering that same kind of thing. <laughs> and because he's a spy, he has a Nokia. So all spies out there have Nokias and that's how you spot them in a crowd. You're thinking way too much about this and I feel like <laughs> Nokia need to hear this because they'll be like, yes, Smith, that's right. That's the narrative we were going for. Look, it's been a bit of a wild week and... I think a lot of people have been thinking about, um, particularly if you've ever been to a large festival or, or a mm. gig, the awful tragedy that happened over last weekend at the Astro World Festival, which is a big headline festival put on by Travis Scott, named for one of his old albums. He mm. was headlining on the Friday night and then there was supposed to be a whole bunch of different performers on the Saturday. That didn't go ahead because on the Friday night, as he took to the stage, there was a massive crowd surge Eight people died, hundreds of people injured. Mm. All of the people who died were under the age of 30, oh, some of them awful. quite young. Yeah. And a lot is being spoken about why it happened, how it happened, and a lot of people questioning the role of the performer in this instance too. And it's not the first time it's happened, you know. There was that mm. awful event when at Ross Kilda Festival 
Pearl Jam were playing a show. There was a crowd crush and nine people died. Yep. There was the Limp Biscuit set at the Big Day Out, which resulted in the death of Jessica McCulloch and the introduction of a mandatory D barrier from there on in. And what is how does a mandatory D barrier work? That's where they split the 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 numbers, don't they? Yeah, they, so you they can only like have a, a certain amount of numbers at the front. Yeah, and and the rest are at the back. Yeah, and so um, it's controlling saves, the space. It saves people from pushing forward and surging, and and people getting essentially sucked under with that surge. Oh God, it's just like nightmare, isn't it's it? Horrible. And that's the thing. It's everyone at the front, but also everyone in the middle, because everyone is just pushing in from the sides. And from what I've heard, because I've read a little bit about this. When it's happened at, you know, remember it happened at the Love Parade um, in Berlin and whenever people talk about their accounts, the people at the back have no idea what's, how intense their pushing is. It's that cumulative effect. If you're in the front or the middle, you're feeling that squeeze. Mm. You literally beat, your feet are off the ground. Your organs are being crushed. The air is being squeezed out of you. Your limbs are being crushed. But if you're at the back, you don't understand that that's happening just you know sometimes just a few meters away from Mm. you and I think that if people did understand then maybe it wouldn't have resulted in what it did and in that instance what is the responsibility of the artist who has a vantage point who could be getting some information Mm. in their earpiece to stop the show yeah you, you'd think you would. I mean, that would be the logical step. And was it stopped immediately? I don't think it was. He paused a few times, but then he would continue. You saw footage and there was so much footage shared over the weekend of an ambulance making its way through the crowd. Oh. And he sees the ambulance and he can see someone being lifted up who's clearly unconscious. And he's like telling people to back up and let them come through. And then the song kicks in again. And watching it, I... I don't – I'm not judge, jury, executioner. I'm not the person who I – I wasn't there. I haven't seen all the footage. I'm certainly not in the police department who's investigating it. But I got a very interesting point of context from an article in the New York Times which was written by Joe Coscarelli who talks about how Travis Scott knows what he's doing when he whips the crowd up into this frenzy um, and he knew what happened and he was kind of pushing the the limits. He may have not known that people were dying, obviously, but he knew that there was this frenzy going on. And he kind of points out, and I will say this, the preface is by saying I know Travis Scott peripherally through the fact that he's one of the biggest names in music right now. Mm. It's not music that I engage with. I've never seen him live. Obviously, we know him as a as a part of the, you know, Kardashian crew with, you know, his partners with Kylie Jenner. But I didn't know about his whole to the shtick and as a performer he's been this you know as joe says this conductor of energy this avatar of excess Mm. and he he prioritizes how his music makes you feel and act in the moment and that's where he's risen that's where his acclaim and star has risen not necessarily Mm. through his records but through these gigs that he puts on and the frenzy he whips up in the crowd and he's gained this international reputation for doing that. He calls it raging, Mm. you know, whipping up people in mosh pits and crowd surfing and stage divers and things that you would normally associate with, I guess, punk rock and heavy rock and um, more aggressive forms of of guitar music. They're kind of coming into this hip-hop and pop show and it was just a really interesting background uh, and knowing that he's been arrested and charged for these events before and 
find and... I mean, look, to be honest, it's not what goes on at these gigs now is no different to what was going on, you know, when 20 years ago when these huge festivals started to become a real thing. Um, but there has been behaviour that, you know, it's been... We've been educated as to how to minimise it to the point where mosh pits are now are usually a lot safer mm. because, as you were saying, the barriers, that kind of thing, to, to, to monitor crowds. And um, the thing is this sounds like it wasn't done at all and that's something that should be absolutely looked at. If you're going to incorporate elements of audience participation to a point where they are sort of surging and they are moshing and they are doing all of that, it needs to be worked out beforehand and that's where there's obviously a clear absence of understanding of what's what happens when that amount of people get together and, and behave like that. Um, I just think it's such a horrible, tragic event. It sh- kids shouldn't die going to a music show. No. It's just unacceptable and we do know better now. Um, what I what I haven't liked about the commentary about this is that, oh, you know, it's this sort of behaviour, moshing is, is, is new to this world and new to this rap world, you know, hip-hop world and whatever, and a part of me feels like, well, that just feels a little bit coming from a, a safety corner, like, oh, we know better, we, we come from a rock background, we've been to rock gigs and, and, and pop gigs and, and we know better, you know, mm. like there's still that finger of judgment but I think it, it can still happen I mean this, this stuff happens um at religious gatherings it's about a bit like that it's that feeling of frenzy and being in, in being in a moment yeah and also watching that happen you know these days at gigs people are more often than not got their phones up and recording it's like you're there in that moment you're capturing yourself yeah. and yeah. what does that do for your perception of what's happening in reality and what you know when you, the the warning signs that you see around you I'm certainly not saying that there's any responsibility here to the audience but it changes the way that you're connecting with the space around you I think mm. if you're seeing it through a screen absolutely and if you're watching the hype up before that of these other shows of videos of other mm. gigs where everyone's whipped into a frenzy it's kind of it's it's setting this standard for what you expected a Travis Scott show without realizing what that can possibly lead to yes yeah i mean people want to be able to send their kids to festivals and that's this this will change that i, I also think. just find it so tragic as we're returning to live music to mm. have you know people lose their lives coming back to something that we've all been missing and loving it's yeah. just it's a it's awful yeah it's awful Miff, in yeah. slightly happier news <laughs> and something that as soon as I saw this I was like, oh boy, I cannot wait to hear what Miff Warhurst has to say about this. As our resident visual art <laughs> hardly aficionado, um, this is an amazing story. First, before we get into the, uh, the art critic's response, can you explain what happened okay. in the last week in the Age newspaper? Okay, the Age newspaper has an art critic, Robert Nelson. He's been the art critic since well, as long as I've lived in Melbourne, as far as I know. He's quite respected. Uh, he's a university lecturer. Anyway, he's popped along and, and I'm just going to forewarn, it's it's a total cock-up story and I shouldn't be laughing. None of us should be laughing at this because it, be, it would be like if it was happening to you, it would be horrific. Yeah. But we've got to enjoy it because we've all been... <laughs> We need this and we've I'm all glad been... it happened because it makes me feel a lot better about things that I've done in the yeah, past. Yeah, and it does and that's the thing and I wouldn't want to be um, Robert Nelson 
this week because this is probably the worst week of his life, but we have enjoyed it. because. What did it, he do? Well, what he did was he's, he's popped along as an esteemed art critic. Like he's not just a, a, a writer for a blog or whatever. Mm. Like he's, he's esteemed, has been around for a long time anyway. He's popped along to... Uh, an installation, just a one-day installation. So there's been a lot of press around this one-day installation from an English visual artist, Jeremy Della. And Jeremy Della has won the Tate uh, Prize a couple of times, the Turner Prize, sorry, I should say, which is at the Tate Gallery in the UK. Um, you know, he's he's pretty literal in a lot of his stuff, which I love. Mm, anyway, I love what he's done is, is made a, a candle wax statue figures of some of the most famous people in the world, i.e. Rupert Murdoch and his son Lachlan. And this candle would only burn for the one day, um, burn down to its wick, and so you'd just see a melted uh, Rupert and Lachlan. The piece is called Father and Son. Father is sitting on a chair, son is standing. Uh, it's just two fellas who pretty much own the world who are burning themselves and it to the ground. Mm. And it's a, I imagine it's a pretty powerful work. I didn't see it. I wasn't there for that one day. But I assume if you're an art critic, you probably know what it's about if it's a one-day installation at a fairly esteemed institution. And the likeness is very good. It's really good for, I mean, look, I think the bottom jaw of Lachlan comes out a little more than perhaps he would like. <laughs> a little bit of an, un, what do you call that, an overlight, underlight? Or not but sure. Rupert Murdoch's got to be one of the most well-known faces in the world, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, um, old mate Robert's gone and written a review for this installation without mentioning either of those names. He didn't know. <laughs> he didn't know. And everyone was like, what the, what the fuck, what world does this person live in? We, you, you, I mean, did he not read the press release before he went in? <laughs> like it, surely you'd read that. But he... I think he became aware of it because someone from the Horsham Art Gallery sent him an email saying, oh, it was so good of you not to mention their names. It was such <laughs> so clever the way you failed to mention the, the heavy and laden um, name of uh, laden with, with, you know, like uh, all, all those issues uh, of, of the Murdochs. And he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I heard people talking about Lachlan in the crowd. <laughs> He's hearing their names and not like there's not one point where it clicks like, oh, it's Lachlan and Rupert. It's so like, like in terms of a cock up in your professional life, this has got to be one of the biggest ones where you just get it so wrong. Like he wrote about the religious analogies that he could come up with, you know, um, was it was it the, the original father, son, uh, God and Jesus, you know, that kind of business. Which um, I'm sure Rupert and Lachlan would love that analogy. Absolutely. I mean, it, it makes them sound far more impressive than what they are. But then... Then he's had to go and write a piece. I missed the point of a major new artwork, but does it matter, Robert Nelson? <laughs> oh, and it's like I read this just, you know, that feeling inside where you're like, oh, God, this is awful. Your editor said you have to write a reply. I love this piece, though. He's <laughs> owning it. He's just owning it. And what he said is that his he he went in with his eyes, <laughs> well, which you do anyway. I'm here with my eyes present. <laughs> My eyes are present. And, and he says critics need to go by what they see in front of them. But 
that's fine, but that's a huge assumption that you don't need to know anything about it in order to understand it. And how does that make you different from any other person? Literally the reason you're employed is to have a critical eye. Absolutely. Or eyes. Or also, (laughs) and critical history. Yes. Understanding of critical history, the context, all of that, and to spell it out for us. This just says he turned up. (laughs) To me, this is something I've probably been guilty of many a time. Turned up, had no idea, just had to go and make it. It was on a Saturday, just had to go and, oh, look, I'll pop in for five minutes and I'll have a squeeze (laughs) and I'll come back and I'll write something about, you know, something, something, and then that'll be fine. I'll send it off. Job done. It's a busy weekend. We're out of lockdown. (laughs) And, um... That's what it reeks of. This and is now just a, like, it's a green light. Every oh. time I miss a context of anything, if it's lyrics in a song, if it's some sort of sound that's referenced in a, yeah. in a, in a work of art, in a, in a piece of music, I'm just going to be like, oh, yeah, I missed it, but does it really matter that yeah. I missed it? <laughs> I've just got ears. I music- just interpreted it the way that yeah. I wanted to interpret it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, look. I'd say thank you for doing this, though, Robert Nelson. Thank you. Um, it's given us all a bit of joy. We are all Robert Nelson. That's right. We are. And this and is literally we can be because we can just walk into a room and see something <laughs> with our eyes. <laughs> here we go. There's one line in here and I, and I should have pulled it out. Uh, da, 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 da. My ears heard somebody talking about Lachlan, but the whisper didn't really penetrate my critical and visual armour. If I suppressed the connection, it was all in my unconscious. It would have been nice to own the virtue of resisting more murder posterity, but the truth is I didn't listen to my ears. <laughs> so he's only got eyes, but he's not listening with his ears. I don't know or what he's doing. Ears. feels like he's look, thinking about lunch and that's why he missed a lot of it. Um <laughs> And then he's hungry, so he's just distracted. He's gone full gonzo journalism with this piece. Oh, it's amazing! And look, it, for, yeah, for the for the roller coaster of him writing the piece, and then others writing about the fact that he messed it up, and then him writing a reply. It's just, it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I guess it makes sense that it's a dad and a lad with a lot to lose. Oh my gosh! I know. I know. So many layers. Good on him. Good on him. We'll put that in the show notes. The whole. Sorted affair. Oh. What a week for art critics. Well, good. I'm I, I'm thankful for art critics, and I'm glad that this happens because we realise that you know there's there are people that help us understand and learn about the things that that we go and see without the knowledge, and and when they muck up, it's kind of makes us feel quite superior yeah. because we knew better. <laughs> Because we often, we, very, we rarely feel superior to, to people who hold these kind of positions. But it's a great leveller. It is a great leveller. But also, you know, we need art critics to interpret things for us in, mm. in sometimes to help us on the way. Because that's the whole point. If you understood everything, it wouldn't be art. It helps sometimes. And they, they're useful. And when they fuck up, they'll hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of great art and fashion... You're getting excited about House of Gucci. Oh, my God. Which has just opened overseas. I've been watching all the premieres. Premieres. And everyone, of course, in full head-to-toe Gucci. Amazing. Well, everyone except Adam Driver. I mean, Gaga's there in this purple flowy dress with a wind machine, so it looks like she's got wings. Mm. Um, We've got Jared Leto in a, you know, a beautiful velvet suit, that kind of gear. Everyone looks stunning, Gucci-ish, gorgeous. And there's Adam Driver wearing a bus driver's, like looking like a bus driver's turned up at a funeral in a suit. It's terrible. What is he thinking? That's his personal style. Is it? Yeah. What, dishevelled? Muted. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't say no to it, but 
I just thought, come on, a bit more effort. It's going to be opening here on January the 1st. Are you going to go? Oh, you know I will. Mm. We should take Bang Boy so that he can cry again. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Our last Star is Born, the last Gaga film that we saw. Oh, I'm so sad. There's also, I just saw this pop up and I don't know whether it's going to, um, this is our Bang On community notice board. Who needs uh, Google of when films are opening? Just listen to Bang On. Uh, Janet Jackson, there's a new doco on Janet Jackson. It's going to be coming out on Hulu overseas, which sometimes has their stuff on either Amazon or Disney+. Plus. Mm. Who knows where it will appear, but it's a doco titled Malfunction, the dressing down of Janet Jackson, and it's addressing how each of them, Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake, came out of that, you know, mm. wardrobe malfunction, quote-unquote, at the Super Bowl all those years ago. We've talked about it before on yeah. Bang On. This is looking at the sort of sexist and racist undertones and overtones um, of how Janet Jackson was treated. And, again, it's just one of the many lookbacks that we're experiencing right now where we're reassessing how we felt, how we reacted, yeah. and how the media treated various people, a la framing Britney Spears. Yep. I think it's really interesting this is happening. And that was this this instance was brought up a lot around the framing Britney Spears about how Justin Timberlake has um, operated, maybe not spoken up where he should, and has benefited greatly where the women surrounding him have suffered greatly. Yeah. And that's exactly the case with Janet. She was shunned completely mm. for many, many years. I think still to a certain extent, you know, she was she she was shunned by america how dare you do that to our our innocent people and it's like well come on she was completely blacklisted yeah i hopefully it gets a screening somewhere on a some streaming service or maybe even a commercial network here in mm. australia but mm. look out for it malfunction the dressing down of janet jackson yeah. i'm glad these stories are being retold i'm not so glad to be talking about joe biden's um farts though <laughs> This year, <laughs> this was what you sent this to me. I and don't know why I, I said this to you, but there's I, a bunch of people talking about farts this week, and it's like, why is everyone talking about farting? And it's bloody the president, the of president. the United States of America, <laughs> isn't it? Why are we so obsessed with what? What I mean, our own our own prime minister is uh, has allegedly uh, shat his pants at Egg and Dean Mackers. <laughs> Um, but there's this real obsession at the moment to talk about the, the, allegedly the, our uh, favourite wording bang on <laughs> the bowel movements of of world leaders. Everyone loves talking about farts. Apparently, though. he dropped a clanger though. <laughs> Camilla Parker oh. Bowles, and it went for a really long time, and she can't stop talking about this it. This is what I love. It's not just that he did a long, <laughs> deep fart, but that she is just like, oh my god, did you hear? Joe Biden just ripped one. Like she just can't. Wait, and this is someone who's literally had a lifetime of training how to hold yourself yeah, in social yeah, situations yeah. and she's running around yeah. Glasgow for COP26 <laughs> telling everyone who's got a set of ears that Joe Biden's, <laughs> Biden has just gone crop dusting. Like it's amazing. It's amazing. And the fact that it, the detail too, that it's long, <laughs> that it was that it was long, like you just go... A real whining one. <laughs> or... Oh, the joy, the and joy. You, the official chef of the White House is making <laughs> that magic happen. God, I told you it was a weird week. What are you banging on about oh, this week? Oh, God. Um, what I'm banging on about is, well, if you've been missing a little bit of French drama, televisual drama, uh, I have a friend, Peters, Glenn Peters, who's been telling me to watch this for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's on SBS. It's called L'Opera and it's in the Opera House in Paris and Ooh. it's the dance company there and... Um, it is 
magnificent. I nearly watched the entire series on Sunday. It's so good. Everyone's smoking. They're all dancers. Everyone's... I loved any kind of dance film, dance anything. I'm here for it. Yeah, and it's amazing. So you've got uh, a woman who became a, there's there's hierarchy in dance, of which I was not aware as well. Um, who became a an elite dancer within the company at a very early age, but then she kind of lost it, had a relationship breakdown with her partner and dance partner and, you know, it all kind of went to shit basically. And then they've tried to sack her in the organisation, which you can't do until the age of 42. So she's fighting those kind of barriers, mm. losing her mojo, fighting that. But then, then you've got a young black woman who comes into the company and she's the only black woman and all the issues around her dancing in the world of, of especially classical dance where she is denied last minute to play one of the swans in Swan Lake. Um, so it's all those issues that, mm. that come up because, you know, dance is just about utterly blending in in so many ways, not not dance necessarily but that kind of dance where everyone's a white swan mm. yet she's got the skills and the talent and the ability but because she looks different um, and, and it really delves into those issues as well. So it's great and, they're, you know, everyone's drinking, everyone's having sex, everyone's smoking, it's fabulous and it's in Paris and it's in the most beautiful building in the world. Have you been there? No. To the, the Paris, the uh, L'Opera where no. the – it's amazing. It's got a Chagall I think on the roof, wow. um, like a beautiful – I think it's Chagall. I could I could be wrong. I might be making that up, but it's as a resident art critic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes we just make stuff up, <laughs> like Robert Nelson. Let's just make stuff up. Green light. Yeah, exactly. Green light. Go for your life. And you know we should all just make stuff up sometimes. Um, but yes, it's a, it's one of the most incredible buildings in the world. So it's just heaven. Travelling through the screen, give it a watch. I could not recommend it highly enough. This is, I think, uh, just the moment I'm just really loving everything on TV and, and film that is about that armchair travel, about seeing yeah. beautiful parts of the world because we've been so contained to our own mm. four walls for so long. I'm mm. really like I'm drinking it in, all those oh. beautiful vistas and beautiful buildings, drinking it in. I know. What about you? What are you banging on about? Well, yeah, very similarly. I'm banging on about a film which is about someone who travelled the world and was curious about um, so many different cultures through his whole life. It's the documentary which we've spoken about before, Roadrunner. Ah! A film about Anthony Bourdain who sadly died, as we know. Um, he died of suicide and this is the story of his life. And it's interesting, first off I'll say, because... You know, his life as we know it began when he was 43. You know, he'd gone through uh, being a, a cook and then a chef and then he'd written Kitchen Confidential and then at the age of 43 he hit fame. Everyone was like, what are these stories? Um, New York Times bestseller and then from there he started making TV shows and the TV shows that he made morphed into something that was so very far away from a food show but just captured all the curiosity um, and sense of adventure that he craved and was always searching for and had obviously food elements in it but really was like, you know, figuring out what makes a people a people, you mm. know, different cultures, very open-hearted, very big risk-taker as well as you, if you ever saw Parts Unknown or any of his other um, TV shows. And I, you know, I am a massive Bourdain fan. I still remember where I was when I found out that he died. I was in another part of the world. I was in a little gastro pub in Bath in England, um, one of the most, you know, beautiful towns in the world. And I was all by myself and I was shocked. It felt like I'd lost someone that I knew. Mm. 
and I was just messaging my boyfriend um, back home and we were both just like trying to make sense of it and that only happens I think with a few people in your life. I don't know what it was about him that so many people including me connected with but I think it was just that I don't know. There, there was a lot of darkness with Bourdain, as you see through this film, mm. but I think also he had something that I hope to hope to to be or hope to have more of, which is that just open-hearted curiosity about the world mm. and hearing other people's stories and just walking through life without judgment. Yeah. It's really wonderfully done, like there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of footage of him, but there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. We talked a little bit about it the a little while ago because of the AI. AI voices. Yeah, where they they used something that wasn't, he, he didn't actually say. Mm. How, how, did you know that that part was there? Yeah, I could tell, I don't know all of it, but I could definitely tell there's a couple of moments because he was, someone was talking about a very personal letter that he wrote them. And then you had him, quote, unquote, reading from the letter. And it's like he never – this was obviously very personal. He never would have, you know, done a voiceover of this letter. That's impossible. Mm. So that's obviously been constructed. I couldn't tell. And all documentary is a construction. It's all got an agenda. So I'm not bothered by that. Yeah. Um, it was beautifully done and, yeah, also really insightful in terms of how he was actually quite shy. He was very lonely. He really wanted to be loved. Mm. And you obviously had some very um, – had a very manic life and there were a lot of highs and there were a lot of lows and, you know, um, he obviously didn't make it through. Uh, so, yeah, if you like Anthony Bourdain or you want to just kind of get mm. to know him a little bit more, if you sort of wondered, then yeah. it's a really fantastic doco and it's playing at the cinemas, which are now open where we are. And, and we can go to the cinema. God, I'm loving being there and just putting my phone away and sitting in a dark room yeah. and having a big box of popcorn and Yum. just diving in. Yep. No more second screening. So, yeah, lots of cinema at the moment. I think I'm going to go to see a bunch of movies this weekend too. Good. So you should. Because you can. Because I can. Yeah, yeah. Because I can. Yes, you can. What a smorgasbord of treats. I look forward to seeing what your eyes see and hearing what your ears hear in the next week, Miss. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And if I get it wrong, I was just relying too much on just one of them as opposed to both of them. I got it wrong, but does it matter? Does it matter? The bang on story. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, yeah. Allegedly. I think that's, yeah. (laughs) Our life motto, I think. We're all going to get it wrong at some point. Maybe not as spectacularly bad as that, but I thank you for that, Robert Nelson. That's all I'll say. It was a little moment of joy. The ultimate footnote. I love it. See you next week. See ya.